Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Ralph Metcalf once said, Anywhere in the world you hear a Chicago bluesman play, it's a Chicago sound born and bred. Deep Dish Pizza, Wrigley Field, the Magnificent Mile, Architecture, Jazz, the Steel Bean, and of course the infamous Al Capone are all associated with the great city of Chicago, Illinois. Known as the Windy City, it is truly the culture of Chicago that attracts business and pleasure travelers alike. The third largest city in North America, Chicago has some of the richest history, oldest skyscrapers, and fun eats, like the Chicago Dog, Chicago Mixed Popcorn, and of course, the Chicago-style pizza. Join us as we explore this fun city full of exciting activities for families, history buffs, foodies, and sports fans. Discover the secrets of finding a great venue for any event, perfect tours to match your interests, and secret spots you'll definitely want to add to your itinerary. In addition with speaking to the iconic Peninsula Hotel, we will also be speaking with chef-owner Sarah Gruenberg of the Monteverdi Restaurant in the West Loop. Sarah is a James Beard Award winner, competitor and finalist on Bravo's Top Chef Texas and Food Network's Iron Chef Gauntlet. Exciting travel doesn't have to be far. It can be right in your own backyard. Today, explore Chicago with us. Welcome to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Chicago. Welcome, everyone, to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil, along with my co-host, Todd Bloodworth, my partner in crime. And we are taking you to the fabulous, incredible city of Chicago this week. We absolutely love Chicago. I can't imagine a better city in the summer than Chicago. It's a little cold in the winter, but the summers are absolutely spectacular. And I've spent a lot of time there over the years taking clients around the city, and we're excited to take you around the city this week. So, Todd, you know, what are some of the experiences you've had? And I know you've probably been to Chicago more than I have over the years, uh, taking clients there. What are some of your top things, your experiences that make you want to go back over and over again? Every time that I've been to Chicago, I don't think I've stayed in the same hotel, like maybe even more than twice, you know, whether it's like the Ritz-Carlton or the Intercon or the Park Hyatt, the Peninsula, there's a Radisson Blue. They're all in great locations. So if you just walk a little bit outside of your hotel in each one of those locations, and that's all just off of Michigan, that's all the Magnificent Mile right there. But you know, it's a lot like New York, you know, and I think people have always said it's like a really, it's a smaller version of New York and just as much culture, just as many restaurants. But every time I've gone, it's also, it seems like it's changed just a little bit. I mean, for the good, like. It really is a living city. Yeah, like before they redid the stadium there and Soldier Field is now like, if you fly into Midway, you kind of come in and you pass Soldier Field. And then, you know, it's been some time, it's not new anymore, but I remember seeing it before and then seeing it after. And it's just like, wow, man, the technology in that stadium is unbelievable. And we, in fact, took some visitors there and it was just a great experience. Yeah, I said it got three years in a row, best U.S. city from Condé Nast Traveler's Reader Choice Award. And the reason is, is because there's so many things to do. I think there's over 30 individual neighborhoods. So the look and feel of each of those neighborhoods is truly unique. And then the amount of things to do, and we're going to talk about some of our favorites. We've got some really unique ones for you later in the show. And then let's just talk about the food, the restaurants. I mean, it has some of the best restaurants in the country. We have a chef, Sarah Grunberg, today, who is going to be speaking to us about her restaurant, but the food and the, all the cultures coming together to create those unique restaurants really make it a special place. Yeah, definitely. Before, I think the first time I went to Chicago was in my early 20s, and I actually went there for work, and there was an old hotel. It's the Drake Hotel. Do you know the Drake? It's kind of at the end of Michigan, right before you know the beaches start, and it's one of those ones you kind of walk into, and it's, uh, there's such history with this one hotel. It's not a new contemporary hotel. So if you go in there looking for some, you know, lots of lights and clean lines, 
that's not going to be the hotel that you want to go to. But yeah, it's very classic. It kind of reminds you of a Waldorf Astoria, you know, kind of like from New York. But, you know, the rooms are all like, you know, a little different. There's no, you know, set form. But then you just walk right outside of it and you have some grass, you know. I never envisioned Chicago and thinking about like grass and open spaces. Parks and grass, yeah. There's quite a lot of that there too. So it's just one of those cities that just really surprised me when I went there. It wasn't what I had in my head. And every time I go back, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So if if you haven't been, obviously, you know, it sits on Lake Michigan, as you can see it from my picture, if you're watching off of our blog, and this is North Beach. I chose this picture because my cousin used to live, let's see, if you're looking, he used to live in one of these high rises right here. And we would walk and experience Lincoln Park and all that area right there on the coast. There's really, it rivals any other U.S. city when it comes to the look and feel and the energy you receive from all these green spaces kind of tied into the city. And it's just a great place to go. And if you haven't experienced it, you absolutely have to go. Well, and also think about the celebrities. One time we took a large group there and uh, we did Second City. And if you don't know what Second City is, it's kind of like a, the platform for a lot of the Saturday Night Live talent. So we took them to go see an improv show at Second City. And it was just kind of like, it was just so cool. You know, you're seeing these people, you don't know I don't remember who I saw then, but I guarantee you one or two of them right now might be doing something big. I wish I could put that name with a face again, but they were so talented. It's kind of iconic in Chicago as Second City, the comedy yeah. troupe. But there's also a lot of famous people. Yeah, like David Swimmer from Friends. I actually ran into him once in a lobby in Chicago and then saw him later at a party. But you run into tons of people. Melissa McCarthy lived there. Obviously, Oprah, Tina Fey, it just goes on and on. Julie Louise Dreyfus is from there, Fred Armisen. So, I mean, comics galore. You were talking about Second City. Stephen Colbert got his start in Chicago. He's from Charleston originally, but, you know. Don't forget the Cusacks, Joan and John. Yeah. (laughs) A friend of mine, she was actually neighbors with Joan Cusack, and she actually said she was very friendly. So, a lot of history, obviously, The play. Think about the play Chicago. It has a history of being very mob influenced. Back in the day, Al Capone, of course, was from Chicago. The Untouchables, one of my favorite movies of all time. And do you know where the name Chicago comes from? I do not. Well, it's actually, it's it's an Algonquin Indian word, and it's Chicago. I don't know how to say say it in Algonquin, but (laughs) C-H-I-G-A-G-O-U. And so that was the first recorded influence in 1688. Well, what does That's, it mean? Uh, it means onion field, actually. Really? So they grew onion fields there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And earlier I said uh, 30 neighborhoods. It's actually like 77. Yeah. There's a ton of neighborhoods. There's so much to see, so much to do. And it really is one of the best. So obviously everyone, you can tell Todd and I love the city. We've been many, many times and we're excited to share with you some of our guests today, as well as our bucket list items to do. So Todd, who's our guest today? Well, we have a couple of guests today. We're going to be speaking with the Peninsula Hotel, which is obviously an iconic, gorgeous property. Again, one of the best rooms and best experiences I've ever had at a property was in a peninsula, just sitting in a tub overlooking with a huge window overlooking Michigan was uh, just really, really, really neat. Beautiful property. And then you mentioned earlier, we also have Sarah Gruenberg with Monteverde and an award-winning chef. I'm really excited. Her specialty is Italian. And when you think of Chicago, you got to go Italian. Obviously, Chicago-style pizza, Uno's Pizzeria, Sicilian, that was from Chicago. So uh, it's the thick, bread, so good pizza. But yeah, we're getting a couple of great, great guests. So I'm excited to talk to them and kind of get their vision of what they see Chicago as. Well, that's great. And uh, so stay tuned. Next, we'll be joined by Chef Sarah. Excited to talk to her. Stay tuned. At AMI, we're passionate about meeting connections that change lives. For over 20 years, we have traveled our clients all over the globe, supporting their business goals and helping them stand apart. From hotel sourcing to audiovisual magic, we'll make your corporate meeting or event second to none. Go to AmericanMeetings.com to learn more. American Meetings, AMI, meeting planning perfected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Destination Everywhere. I'm really excited to have our next guest here. We have chef and owner of Monteverde Restaurant and Pastificio, Sarah Gruenberg. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. 
Hi, thank you. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Welcome. So Sarah is joining us from the Windy City of Chicago. Yes. So Sarah, how did you end up in Chicago? What I understand, you're originally from Texas. Yes. Actually, September 1st will be my, tomorrow is my 15-year anniversary of moving to Chicago. Happy, Happy anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Is it an anniversary? I don't know. But 15 years. I moved to Chicago. I was a young cook in Houston and I really wanted to, you know, I had excelled at the restaurant there. And my chef was like, you know, you're young, go travel if you can. So I flew up to Chicago and it was great. So was your first job in Chicago, was it with Spagia? Yes, Spiaggia, yes. Or Spiaggia. That was your first job when you got there. Yes. And to get a job in the culinary industry then, and even now, I did what I call staging. So I flew up to Chicago and did some working interviews at a few different restaurants. Yep. And my last interview was at Spiaggia with Missy Robbins. And she was like, well, you'll have to come back because you're at the <laughs> So then I flew back up a second trip and she offered me the job. And I called my mom and I said, I got a job. I'm moving. And then she started crying. And then she flew up the next day and we looked for apartments. And the rest is history. My whole family is still in Texas. Where in Texas? Houston. Houston, nice. The Houston area. So. Yeah. Well, we looked at your record at Spiaggia and, you know, since you were the executive chef there, correct? I worked my way up, yes. You worked your way up, but as your tenure, you did receive a Michelin star. Was it three years in a row? Yes, yes. Wow, pretty impressive. Thank you. What was that like when you got the first Michelin star? Pretty cool. You know, Tony, I think we all like... It was our first time and we didn't really quite understand like Michelin stars in the U.S. versus Japan and Europe, totally different. And so first it was like, oh man, one star. But then we realized that's really incredible. And, you know, Michelin star is, they judge everything, the whole experience. So it really makes you like look through your restaurant with the magnifying glass because it's not just about the food it's the service, it's the wallpaper in the bathroom. It's, you know, every little detail they critique. But that's a great, you know, notch on your belt without a doubt. And since then, you've also gotten a couple of other things too. You know, you've got a James Beard Award, which is another just phenomenal. That was one of the best days of my life. So (laughs) how did you find out? Well, so they have the awards every year, except, you know, not this year. They're postponing a few years. It was the second or third year that the awards were going to be held in Chicago. And that was so cool. Holy cow, because it always was in New York. And yeah, so you get dressed. It's a black tie event. You get dressed up. You, you know, get your hair done, your makeup done, and everyone, you get your posse with you. And, you know, it's just an award style event. So they have an award show and call the nominees and then they called my name for the Chicago or the, the Midwest region. And it was like, oh my, I was just like insane. So you didn't know ahead of time. It's not until they call your name right there. Are you nominated and then, then they award you or did you not know at all? Interesting. It's a three-part nomination. The general public can, can apply and nominate you. Then there's two rounds of voting. So I knew that I was on the semifinalist list and then I knew I was on the, the finalist list but you don't find out who wins until you're at the event. I'm surprised that something like that with all of the celebrity that goes on with chefs now and the cooking shows, that that is not a huge televised event like the Tonys or the Oscars. Maybe it will be someday. I'm sure it's got to be in the works. It is in the works. Oh, that's awesome. Because you were on Iron Chef Gauntlet, right? Yes. What was that experience like? Was that like- Hard. Hard and how, and then I'm just curious, how do you do that and still run a restaurant? Well, they are very understanding and they allow you to have your phone. And Top Chef is like total isolation, but Iron Chef Gauntlet, you were able to on breaks, you know, use your phone and read your email and things like that, which was good, but it was almost a distraction in a way, too, because when you're in that mode of competition cooking, I don't need a lot of distraction. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to focus on what's happening. So, Because you did Top Chef Texas. You did that when you were still in Texas, obviously, before you moved to Chicago or no? No, I was the chef at Spiaggia. Oh, really? Yeah, that was in 2011. They let you take a little hiatus to participate? Oh, yeah. I think it's great for any restaurant. Absolutely. Chef can get on that show. I could not believe that it was Texas. Like how lucky was I that I was chosen for was my home state. And the two finalists, Paul and I, you know, we were both from Texas. I don't think there was any, I don't know, maybe there was. <laughs> <laughs> a little collusion going on? Maybe, but no. 
<laughs> Do people recognize you from being on those shows? Because I know my kids will watch the cooking shows. They'd rather watch that now than a lot of other things. It says, you know, cooking has come just a long way. You know, the chef and the staff and the preps, they're not hidden in the kitchen anymore. These people are front and center and they're, they're, there's a celebrity to you guys and it's great. And what do you think about that as a chef? You know, you don't go into it looking for any kind of celebrity, but you kind of become one. No, I mean, I would say, I don't know, when I first, so Food Network came out when I was about 12. And that's when I, because I love to cook and I love to eat and I love to be with my family and cooking and things like that. And so when the Food Network came out, it was like, whoa, there's actual chefs. Growing up where I came from, the restaurants didn't have chefs as the front and center yet. I feel like in the 80s, that was really only in the big metropolitan cities. So Food Network came out and I was like, wow, look at these chefs. So I think there was always a little bit of me that thought, you know, maybe there was an opportunity for some TV, but never did I want to make that my goal. Like it was always cooking first and being respected by my peers and making the most delicious food possible. But, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't like the idea of television or a, a little of that. What a great promotion for that, for whatever restaurant a chef's working on. It must help business, right? It does so much. Anything that you can really do. That's why you're on Destination Everywhere, right? That's the only reason you're <laughs> Pretty on, much. Right? <laughs> if I was on TV, I don't know if I'd be on here. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Obviously, your passion is cooking and Monteverde Restaurant and Pasta Pizio, which, you know, I found out, I guess, technically means pasta factory. Yes. So you're from Texas. Were you cooking like Italian dishes of pastas in Texas or how did you get into this mix? Great question. So no, I don't come from an Italian background. I don't even think I really, I kind of want to take the DNA test in hopes that there's like... <laughs> hey, you might be a little something in there. There's a little Italian in there. <laughs> A little, little something. <laughs> you are using your hands quite a bit on this podcast. <laughs> Become Italian as, you know, I would say, so working, I only was interested in pasta because I love pasta and I went to Spiaggia really to learn fresh pasta. And part of that training, when I got working up through the ranks... Tony and, and Missy, when Missy was moving back to New York, she said, you know, I'm putting your name forward, I think, to take my position. And I was like, whoa, me? Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, I've never been to Italy. And that was part of the, the deal. Tony and Spiaggia sent me there for two weeks when I was 26. That's incredible. So did you go there and, and kind of work with some chefs there to kind of learn the basis of what, where, where it came from and that? Because pasta itself is actually from China originally, isn't it? That's still debatable. Don't say that to Italians. I know, right? <laughs> I guess the Chinese civilization's older than the Roman Empire, but I do. there's um, good minds think alike there. So Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> You know, when you think of Italian, I mean, they're so proud of their food and their sauces and their pastas. And then to see somebody who technically might be, you know, considered an outsider, you know, going to, you know, just going up against, you know, some of these people. I mean, you're talking about families with and generations of hidden secrets for their secret sauces and things like that. But you've kind of broken that barrier, which is great. Well, that's the thing. Like, you have to learn the culture. So a lot of people and a lot of young chefs think, oh, I can cook Italian food. Italian food's easy. It's not easy. I will tell you that Italian food is, and the cuisine looks simple, just like Italians. Like if you see their dress, the design, the cars, it looks simple. However, the design is top level. There's a lot of detail that goes into it. They have a saying sprezzatura, which means like it just happened. It looks like it fell there. Now that's the goal of Italian way. And going to Italy and learning that was very much why I talk with my hands now, my <laughs> espresso. And, you know, there's a lot of things like that happen because if you want to really cook Italian food, you have to deep dive in the culture. Cause like you said, there's so much hidden secrets and hidden tradition passed down, but every region in Italy is even more unique than the States of the U S like it's you're talking different dialects, different everything. So you have to learn all those. You don't just like, oh, I cook Tuscan food, you know, or oh, I cook Roman. Do you have a certain area that certain focus from Italy that you focus on or do you do the entire country? Well, I get inspiration now from all over, but the pasta ficio and the idea of the pasta factory comes from like the Northern central area of Emilia Romagna, where that's like the king of Italian food, Parmigiano Reggiano, prosciutto di Parma, fresh pastas made with egg, that is from that area. And so that's what you see at Monteverde is we have a station. We have actually have like a 
an antique mirror that hangs above our pasta station and you can watch the hand make all the pasta. We make the fresh pasta to order. So do you have any advice for upcoming chefs, young kids, like how to make pasta at home? How easy is it just to, what do you need? You do it in 10 minutes with your kids. Give us some advice to get people into pasta. Okay, so best advice for pasta is to have a pasta roller, um, either an attachment with the KitchenAid or just uh, one that hooks up to the countertop. And then you have to make the dough and let it rest. That's the biggest secret because the dough will look like kind of dry, maybe not super hydrated. But as it rests, it becomes hydrated. And so a lot of times people will add more flour or more eggs than they need. And then by the time it rests, it's too soft to roll. So I would say my best advice, have a gram scale, 100 grams of flour per one egg. Okay. And then don't over saturate it. Let it do it itself. Well, mix it, but then let it rest in the refrigerator for like an hour. An hour. Yeah, because actually I have a juicer, and but it comes with a pasta attachment. And I haven't even looked at the pasta attachment. I don't even, I'm like, seem like drink the juice, but eat all the pasta. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> I know it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Yeah. <laughs> your punishment, then your reward is what it is. <laughs> so let's go back to Monteverde. So you started this with a longtime friend. Is it Meg Saz? Yes. And so how did you go from being an executive chef and saying, I want to go out on my own and not only be a chef, which is in itself a lot of stress and a lot of work, but being a business owner, which is just taking it to a completely different level. Yes. Well, I think going into something like that with a friend that you trust is the best thing. I know a lot of people say, don't go into business with your friends, but I will say that I would recommend it very much, especially if your friend is... The opposite of you. So we both really balance each other. She actually started at Spiaggia the same week that I did. And we became, she was like one of my very first friends that I met there. We just have a same, like, I guess, gut of what we want of a culture. She really focuses on the culture of our team, financial side of our business. And then I focus a lot on the creative feeling. Like I'm like the emotional and, and she's like the brain. <laughs> You're the heart, she's the brain. Yeah, exactly. That works out. Those partnerships can take you far. Yes. Well, tell us about your current staff. Tell us a little bit about your team and where you found them and kind of the synergies that you guys have either in the kitchen or out in the front of the house uh, that just makes it work. Okay, well, we're kind of like a big old family. So my husband, Jamie, he works in the front and does a lot of like the guest relations. He's like our maitre d', if you will. He has the ability to like, See someone, know their name, know what they like to drink. You know, that we want to bring that kind of feel to the rest. That's Todd in our business. He just shows up. <laughs> He's the handshaker. So same thing. <laughs> and then we also have a good friend of ours, Rob, who is the wine side. And he is an investor partner at the restaurant too. So we kind of have a lot of us in that higher part, but that was for the other restaurants that you were going to grow. And then under that, we have a great group of managers that work with us. So many who have been with us for multiple years. I mean, we're three, four or five years since the beginning. And then the kitchen, we have Bailey Sullivan. She's one of our chefs and she's great. She's worked with us, gosh, since right the first year that we opened and she went to Italy. She kind of did a little bit of a Sarah journey over there. That's the goal, like to bring our team. And before all this happened, it was like, take people to Italy, let's get them to experience it. So a lot of kitchens, I would say, and a lot of restaurants previously were like front and back, like no mixing, you know, it was like, don't talk to them, don't talk. So we try to really bring our team together and have everyone kind of work together and communicate because I like to be in the dining room. I like to see the guests. I like to talk to the guests. That's fantastic. And guests love that, right? They love when you they come really around. Do. They do. I know I love it when I talk to the chef. If we ever bring somebody to a restaurant, we always, if it's just a great meal, you know, how can you not just want to like say, can we meet the chef and just thank them? Because I mean, I don't know. It makes you kind of look like you're passionate about what you're eating, but it gives you a chance to give that credit to somebody who's worked so hard to put it in front of you, which is great. So if we're going to come to your restaurant, I always like to ask the chef, what is your favorite dish? Oh, well, the pastas, of course, you have to have the pastas. But my favorite dish that I like, I even take it home on Sunday sometimes so I can have it on my day off, is our burrata and ham. So burrata a ham, it's like a play on words a little bit. Burrata being a really beautiful cheese from Puglia, Italy, and then prosciutto. 
But what brings it all together are these Tajeli breads that we make. I don't know if y'all watch somebody feed Phil on Netflix. Oh, I haven't seen that. No. Great. Well, y'all should take a peek. The Chicago episode is so fun, but we did these, this dish and we make these little sandwiches. So Tajeli are come from Emilia Romagna, which is the region that I was talking about with the pasta. And they're like an English muffin meets, I don't know, like a pita. We make the dough and then we have this special press from Italy that's like two stone panini press and the doughs go in there and then we press them and they get griddled. So they're kind of crispy and golden and you cut them in half. Can you FedEx me one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm working on it because everyone's like, I want these to jellies in my house. And then we make prosciutto butter. So we take some butter and like mix in a bunch of chopped prosciutto. So a smear of prosciutto butter, burrata. I can see your lips going. Well, now that you said smear, you got me, right? <laughs> <laughs> burrata, the prosciutto butter, more sliced prosciutto. And then right now we're doing shaved melons. And you just like close the little, and it's just this like baby little sandwich. And to me, like, I love to sit at a bar. So sit at the bar, have my little sandwiches, have a glass of wine, a cocktail, a martini, and I'm like so happy. I'd be sitting right next to you at the bar because I prefer a bar than a long sit-down dinner sometimes. Yes. You know, I get antsy. I can't wait till bar service. I know, I'm with you. <laughs> and so when you picked a, you're in the West Loop of Chicago. Why did you pick the West Loop in terms of opening a restaurant location? Was it the neighborhood? So Meg and I, Meg really chose the, or found the location. The West Loop was kind of like the meatpacking market district, how New York was, you know, kind of like that rough edge area that then became condos and fancy restaurants and trendy, trendy. Uh, So the West Loop is like just directly west of our downtown financial district. So it's just across the river. And Randolph Street is like known as our new kind of restaurant row. There's a ton of great new restaurants on Randolph. And we're on Madison, so we're just a few streets south of there. What we like about it is, is that we're big fans of Chicago sports, so the Bulls and the Blackhawks. So we're just 10 blocks from the United Center, and we're in a little part of the West Loop that's just more neighborhoody feeling. A lot of different families, young adults. You know, it's it's an area that we wanted to be in a neighborhood style restaurant where, yes, you can fly into Chicago and have a reservation and dine in, but you can also walk in and my spot at the bar available. So. And pastaficio obviously means a factory, a pasta factory, but are you retailing pastas or do you have any retail items that you're selling? We're working on it. So right now on our um, online ordering, we have a whole Mercado section and we have fresh pasta and we are drying one of them, which is shelf stable, but I'm working on a fresh pasta retail line. I just tested pasta yesterday that was made two weeks before and it was still like perfect. You know, fresh pasta, it cooks so much faster. I don't know. It's fun. So we're working on it. How do you store fresh pasta? Does it have to be refrigerated? Yes. And then, so you keep it refrigerated two weeks later. It was still great. It was still great. Yeah. Good to hear. So you are a Chicago, someone that came in and moved into Chicago, a transplant. What are some of your favorite things about Chicago? Like if you have someone that's coming into town not the touristy things, but what are the unique things that you do with them? Well, the blues bars are definitely one of my favorite things. The blues scene is incredible. I love the parks, walking through Grant Park, walking through Millennium Park. And then I can see like where I live on your background. (laughs) Which one? Mine or his? Both of them. No, Andy's. Or I can actually see it on yours too, right by the Shedd Aquarium. So just the whole like lakefront walking area is just amazing. Yeah. So for someone that's coming to town, even if they don't know it, they can easily walk. It's not actually that long of a space. You can do it in a few hours and it's just a great way to see the city. And in the summertime, there's not a better place on the planet, I don't think. Well, everybody tries, they stick with that magnificent mile stretch, you know, but if you go, you know, like into the loop, which is so cool, you know, and then you've the got, you know, yeah, you've got the river and of course, St. Patrick's Day, you know, when they make that green and everything. And then you've got, you know, Boys Town going in town. You've got the entire lake and the beaches there are just, they're packed in the summertime. I mean, you know, those guys, you know, they are. they're ready for it. One thing I do highly recommend that is touristy, but I still go on it now is the architecture tour in the river. Definitely. For sure. I would agree with you on that. (laughs) It's just the way to see the city from there and to see the architecture is great. And then go to a Sox or a Cubs game. 
and ride the L. Like you have to ride the L. You were very objective, a Sox or a Cubs game. You know, if it was in most they'd be like, go to a Sox game or go to a Cubs game. But you were nice and objective about it. I'm just trying to be. <laughs> we're Cubs fans in this household. <laughs> there you go. So Sarah, so we're going to be wrapping up here, but we ask each one of our guests a few questions about their experience with travel so our followers can hear new and different ideas of where to go and what to do. So we're going to ask you these questions and there's no right or wrong answer. And so let's have a little bit of fun with it. You ready? All right. All right, cool. So have you ever completed anything that's on your personal bucket list? Oh, man. Well, yes. Now talking to y'all about what I've done, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Top Chef, I think, was for sure a bucket list thing. I was a huge fan of the show. And to go and learn and to have that experience, I wouldn't change it for the world. All right. Well, I think I know the answer to the next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? (laughs) (laughs) It would be Italy. Probably like a different region every month. Like Nice. Yeah. So you can learn the different areas. That's awesome. If you could travel with someone infamous or famous, who would it be? Oh, man. I think Anthony Bourdain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? I did not. But, you know, he really opened a lot of our eyes to culture and cuisine. When you are packing for a trip, what is something you pack that may surprise our listeners? I don't know. I'm a big fan of my Yeti bottle. I take my Yeti bottle everywhere, the screw top, and I always have fresh water. So... I also really like the Translate app on my phone. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's actually a good question. We should add that to our rapid fires. Besides, you know, what I can find in my cabinets, you know, which is salt, pepper, and butter, what are like four or five must-have ingredients in every kitchen? Because whenever I cook something, there's always that one thing. I'm like, I've never even heard of this, and it's not there. And then I feel like I just give up, and then I order something. But what are like four or five must-haves? Four or five must-haves. Well, great vinegar. I would say like a red, like a good quality red wine vinegar or balsamic. Yep. Dijon, like from France, like the spicy mustard, a little bit of that in a sauce will go a long way. I like fish sauce. So like a red fish sauce, just a splash of that. Let's see, pantry ingredients. I love to have capers always around. And I think Italian tomatoes, like a whole peeled tomato. You can really make anything with that. Of course, olive oil. You got to have really good olive oil. Finishing olive oil and cooking olive oil. There's two different. Ooh, there's two different ones. I don't think a lot of people would know that. There's a finishing and a cooking. Good to know. Yes. So the cooking is your, you know, more economy, <laughs> cost effective one. But the finishing oil, what you want to look at is you want to turn the bottle around and see if there's an expiration date. And if there is, chances are that's a good quality oil that they care about. Gotcha. So basically, I need to get to the store. I had one of those. It was an olive oil, and I don't know which one it is. <laughs> and finally, Sarah, what is your most memorable experience in Chicago since you've been there? Winning the James Beard Award. Uh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Probably. But that happened in New York. <laughs> no, it was in Chicago. Oh, I thought you said you went to New York for the show. Oh, it was in Chicago. No, Congratulations. it was the third year. But, you know, I think also just, I don't know, I think just opening a restaurant here and being part of the scene and being accepted into Chicago has been great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. If our listeners want more information about your restaurant, where can they find it? MonteverdeChicago.com. And then on Instagram, MonteverdeShy. Shy. C-H-I. C-H-I. Great. Well, Sarah, you've been an absolute joy. We wish you every success in everything thank that you, you do. We know we're going to see great things. I have no doubt we're going to see you on TV again. So thanks so much thank for you. joining us. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thanks. You have a great day. Welcome, everyone, back to Destination Everywhere Chicago, and we're so excited to have you here. We are now going to talk about some of our top bucket list things to do, and we've got some great ones for you. So Chicago, like we said, we've been going for years and years and years. Every time, it's fun. It's different. There's so many things to do. So one of my favorite things to do is to just walk the city at night. So Chicago is known for having the best lit city in the Northern Hemisphere and some of the best architecture. So one of the things I love to do is to get a really nice camera and go around and take photos of the night lights and the skyscrapers and the actual view itself. It's absolutely incredible. So if you want something to do something really unique, get some exercise and have some fun, take photos across the city at night. Yeah, but also take a jacket. I can remember taking one of those walks and I was walking between Michigan and Rush Street and I was on one of those little side, side streets. The wind, I found out why it was called the Windy City. It was, I mean, honestly, I had to fight the wind to get to Rush Street. It was so cold 
It's so windy, but yep. So maybe do it in the late spring, early fall, <laughs> or maybe the summer. Summer is <laughs> yeah. the perfect time to do it. So here's another one that I've done a lot. So there's tons of speakeasies and jazz clubs in Chicago. And one of the great things to do to definitely put on your bucket list is to experience a traditional night at a Chicago jazz club. Do it right. Even dress the part. Some of the speakeasies have uh, dress up nights, which is a lot of fun. But one of the famous ones is the Green Mill Jazz Club, and I've been many times, and it's about 100 years old, and everyone from Al Capone to Charlie Chaplin used to hang out there, but it's really known still for great jazz, and it's got just a ton of history. So um, if you want to do something really, really unique, experience a night at a jazz club and do it upright. Yeah, because jazz, Chicago blues, these are all things that are, again, iconic to Chicago. But, you you know, you mentioned Al Capone. You can also do one of the crime tours, one of the mob and and crime tours of uh, Chicago. There's many different ones. There's the Untouchables tour. But, you know, to go and actually see some of the spots where they hung out, they interacted, they committed crimes. You know, there's a fascination with that. It's in Hollywood movies. It's everywhere. Well, one of my favorite all-time movies is The Untouchables. So if you're going to do it, watch The Untouchables before you go. I love that movie. It's well-written, but it really shows the city and what it was like back in the day. And there is an Untouchables tour just for you Untouchables Oh, there is. Cool. There is. Going to talk about another event now, one that is huge in Chicago. And if you happen to be there, it's five days long. It's the Taste of Chicago. And the Taste of Chicago is, I mean, it's just, I don't even know if I've walked all the way around it, but there's so much there to see and taste. And it's one of those places you don't want to go and just get a meal at one of the tents because then you're going to be full before you even get to the next tent. I mean, when I say this is so expansive, this is, it takes up a huge amount of space and every kind of cuisine you would, you could possibly think of is there. So You've got five days to participate in this. I would say, you know, get tickets ahead of time, but definitely check it out when you're in Chicago. Yeah. And I think what's really the best experience that I've had when I've gone is to do some of the smaller events. And there's tons of them. There's private classes with chefs. So you don't even need to go with one of the top name chefs. Even some of the smaller up and coming chefs have these really fun individual classes you can do. You can take different tours of the different types of food. And there's just tons of things. It's also a cultural and a music festival. So, and it's in the best time of year in the summer. You can't miss it. So you can't go wrong. So definitely put that on your bucket list. I would highly recommend it. I've had a great time every time I've ever gone, for sure. Here's a really cool one that I just found out about, and I'm definitely going to do it next time I'm in Chicago, is to go to the Obama Kissing Rock. And this is a, a rock at the 53rd in South Dorchester. And it is the place where Barack Obama first kissed Michelle on their first date. It's outside of an old subway now, but it was a Baskin Robbins at the time. And President Obama and Michelle were on their first date and they shared a couple scoops of chocolate ice cream. And uh, he said their first kiss uh, tastes like chocolate. So if you want a little bit of history and you want to take your significant other to somewhere special. What a great tribute spot. You know, and now his daughters get to go see it. You know, that's like, I mean, that's really neat. It's kind of never heard of an, uh, an official kissing monument for a first kiss, but that's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, that first kiss for the first lady. So anyways, another one that's really cool, and this is really off the beaten path, though it's right in the middle of Chicago, is Wacker Drive. So this was a three-tiered structure built for as a freeway and green space, but three levels below it. They actually do on the weekends, usually Friday nights, illegal drag racing. And it's so hard to get to, the cops usually never come. So supposedly there's underground, and I've never done this, but this underground experience where you go and watch um, uh, drag racing at night. And it sounds like something that's really, really cool. So that's at, at Wacker Street. And uh, just look it up online. There's lots of information about it. And again, they usually happen on Friday nights. So if you're looking for something to do really unique and uh to check off going to an illegal drag race, if that's on your bucket list, definitely consider it. Maybe the mafia is involved. Maybe that's why the police don't bust it. Yeah, maybe. But another one, who hasn't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Great movie with uh, Matthew Broderick. And there's a scene in the movie, besides the great parade scene, lots of great scenes, but they go to a museum and they go to the Art Institute of Chicago. They look at some great paintings. So if you do have time, go to the Art Institute and just, you know, walk around. They've got uh, over 30 paintings by Monet. There's the one picture that's, Andy, what is the name of the picture that's focused in the movie? It's a Sunday afternoon on the island of Grand Jatte. 
right. by George Surratt. Yes. And it's the one people with their parasols are overlooking the scene. Yeah, but it's done with that. Pointillism. Pointillism, where there's little dots that create the entire thing. And so you look at it from really close and look from really far. Definitely a bucket list item if you're an art aficionado and something to definitely see while you're there. Yeah, exactly. Or it's, it's like seeing the Mona Lisa. Yeah, exactly. And if you're ever going to one of these large things, one of these large museums, you know, if you can, if you're on vacation, join it, you know, go Tuesday or Thursday in the morning, usually empty during the week and try to experience it where you're not in the crowds. That's really where you get to have the best bucket list experience. And then there's also private tours you can do at the Art Institute, get a little bit more education. That's up your alley. So definitely visit the Art Institute of Chicago. Speaking of large, great areas to see, if you're in Chicago and need a little green space, something that I've loved and something that we've actually rented out for private event is the Garfield Park Conservatory. It is a huge green space in the middle of Chicago. It's opened every day of the year. And here's a tip, Wednesdays is free. So if you want to have a great experience and do it for free, go on Wednesdays to it. A study space as well as educational space has all different types of fauna from all over the world. And it's one of the few large indoor green spaces in Chicago. So I I highly recommend it. And like I said, it's free on Wednesdays and something that you can do. You get a lot of exercise because you walk the entire time and enjoy the space. It's incredible. Well, if you want another green space and it's definitely not free, I think it's right starting right at around 25 grand. You can actually go out on Wrigley Field, play some ball and have uh, the scoreboard work with you and then actually play music during a seventh inning stretch. And obviously it's not during game days, but you know, that is a space, if you can afford it, have at it. I know people have done weddings on Wrigley Field and it's supposed to be pretty What a incredible. great bucket list idea. So you can actually like get 25 of your best friends and have two teams. Everybody pitched in a grand. It said starting at 25 grand. So yeah, I'm sure it only goes up from there, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. There's another one and, and quite pricey also, but there is a helicopter tour that leaves from a restaurant where you have a beautiful pairings dinner at a restaurant. Then transportation picks you up. You go to a helicopter, you fly to the John Hancock building. And and then up at the top of the building, it's called, you know, nicknamed the top of the cock. And there are views, obviously, if you've been to the top of the John Hancock, there's the old Sears Tower, which is now the Willis Tower, and then the John Hancock. And those are the two skyscrapers that are, I I think they're always vying for who has- Yeah, they're right behind me if you're watching. Yeah, they're vying for who has the tallest. And I think the height comes from the spire, but- There's a top of the Hancock, there's a 360 now, and then you'll actually get access to the space once it's closed. And there is, it's called the tilt. And the tilt is the windows, you hold onto a bar and the windows slowly start to tilt over Michigan Avenue until they're at 30 (laughs) degrees. And if you have vertigo or fear of heights, definitely not. But if you've got the money and you want to take a helicopter over there and then get private access to this after your pairings dinner, Absolutely. Go for it. Why not? Spend the money. Well, something that's not that expensive and something I've actually taken clients to is you take an improv class at Second City. So Second City is known, like you said earlier, for loading up famous Saturday Night Live folks. Like I said earlier, Stephen Colbert got his start at Second City. But you can actually take a class from a comic at Second City and then see a show. So that's a great bucket list item. And hey, you never know. Maybe you'll end up on Saturday Night Live, if you've got any chops. <laughs> That'd probably help you with, with a job interview. You know, you take a Second City class and you go into a job interview. I'm just trying to think of the dynamic that would happen there. I think that'd be pretty funny. Well, you can say in your job interview, you can say, I actually did comedy at Second City. You can just kind of work it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, being a, you're interviewing for a crisis counselor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, great. Well, so those are our top bucket list items. And we hope you found some unique ones with us. And next, please stay tuned. We're going to be speaking to the hotel manager at the Peninsula Hotel, Max Schroeder. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Destination Everywhere. I'm here with our next guest. We have Max Schroeder from, he is the hotel manager from the Peninsula Chicago, which is absolutely one of my favorite properties. Absolutely fantastic property. Thank you. So Max, I just want to dive right in. I want to find out a little bit. You're originally from Iowa. So how did you end up 
in Chicago and no less, you know, at the peninsula, which is just uh, an iconic property on the Magnificent Mile. Tell us how that happened. Sure. Well, long time ago when I was uh, growing up in Iowa, I was a foreign exchange student in um, France believe it or not, while I was in high school. And I had some friends that I met in France from Chicago. So when we all went back to our hometowns and I'm 17 years old and I tell my parents, listen, I'm going to go drive to Chicago by myself to visit my friends that I met in France that are in Chicago. Now, I grew up in a town population 400 in Iowa. And looking back, I wouldn't let a 17-year-old drive to Chicago by themselves at all. But for some reason, my parents, I guess they assumed you've been to France, I guess you can drive to Chicago by yourself. So I drove um, to Chicago and I remember vividly driving down the Eisenhower Expressway for the very first time and seeing that skyline, which is right behind you. And I was blown away by this amazing skyline. And I was like, one day I want to live in Chicago. So I was 17 years old, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know exactly what I was going to be doing. And if you would have told me, you know, in 2020, you'd be sitting in the middle of uh, downtown on Magnificent Mile at the Peninsula of Chicago, I probably would have thought you were crazy, but it all worked out. I went to travel school. I got transferred from Des Moines to Chicago through American Express Travel, which is my first company I started with. And then I got into the hotel business in 2002, and shortly thereafter came to the peninsula. So it was kind of a wild ride, but yeah. Yes. How long have you been at the peninsula, Max? So cumulatively, I've been at the peninsula of Chicago for 12 years total. Excellent. And then 2019, you guys got the TripAdvisor's Traveler's Choice Award, the number one among the top 25 luxury hotels in the United States. I've stayed at your property. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, the lobby itself just kind of blows you away when you walk in, right? It's just really, really amazing. But tell us what you really, really, you think set you apart and allowed you to get that number one status? Because that's what our, our listeners want to hear. They want to hear why they should go to the peninsula and stay there. What is the unique experience that they're going to have? Well, first of all, Chicago's full of some magnificent hotels. So, and of course, the U.S., of course. But in the peninsula, I think what really sets us apart is that Eastern graciousness combined with our Midwest hospitality. Obviously, every luxury hotel is going to have similar qualities as far as the the best linens and the best facilities and amenities for our guests. But at Peninsula, it's really that Eastern graciousness and Midwest hospitality. It's our staff that are so dedicated to learning all about our guests. They want to know who you are so we can customize as much as we can their experiences. If we find out you're celebrating something, we want to make sure we're creating memories for you. You know, that's what keeps bringing people back over and over again. Right before this podcast, actually, I received a call from a guest, never had stayed here before. And this guest called me specifically to tell me that when he checked in, from the moment he walked in, he was like, I could tell there was a difference. And it was your staff. They're so genuinely warm. They're just really interested in why I was here, what they could do to help help make my stay flawless. And it is the staff in the, the Midwest kind of hospitality that takes over. You know, when I was a young meeting planner, I remember my one of my first times to Chicago and we did a, a program at your property. And, you know, as a meeting planner, you kind of go in a little early. And I remember, you know, someone greeted me in the lobby and what surprised me and now I've learned is, you know, they pulled out the business cards with two hands. And I was like, you know, what are they doing? And I found as you grow, it's a very, you know, Asian proper etiquette way to pass your business card. And and it was just so, there was something about it that was just so classy and so nice. And you actually remembered it, right, Todd? You actually remembered it. Absolutely remembered it. And But it, it just carried on throughout the entire program. And then, you know, I went up to my room and I had just got me, of course, was, you know, just the rooms and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the way they were, you know, everything is kind of one touch. You have the mood lighting and then you have, it's programmed in such a way where, you know, it's, everything's one touch of a button and it was absolutely great. And then of course I go into the bathroom and the bathtub just overlooked the city. You know, I remember just sitting in there watching TV and then overlooking the city and it was just such a great experience. And I'm not the only one that felt it every single one. So of our- you were sitting in the bathtub watching TV? Absolutely. Yes, I was. I was taking advantage of it. You know, I absolutely (laughs) was. It was great. And to that, I also said, you know, we've traveled with some very discerning business people and who've had odd requests, you know, to say the least. And you guys met every single one of them, which was great. So hats off to the staff for that. But so tell us a little bit about the property. You've got amazing bars. You've got a pool, you know, which is a rare thing in the city. 
So what are some of the above and beyonds that you can kind of tell our listeners about? Well, here at Peninsula Chicago, you touched on the room technology. I think that's really key to expound upon because it really is another thing that sets us apart from our competition anywhere in the world. In Hong Kong, where Peninsula is based, but we have a warehouse where every single model room is built and tested, fully functioning model room where it has running water. We test the technology has air conditioning, heating, and, and air conditioning. So our executives, various people stay in the model rooms to make sure that everything is easily accessible, it's uh, comfortable, it's uh, 100% geared to the comfort of our guests. And we try to think, where would you need a hook? Where would you need a telephone? Where do you need the remote control? Bedside panels, we need uh, chargers. Everybody has a phone that they want next to them. Really, really are very much interested in making sure that the comfort and, we're well, and the rooms are well thought out and well laid out. So that's when you're in your cocoon of your room, of course, that's what you're experiencing. TVs in the bathrooms, how many times are, especially for a business traveler, you're getting ready in the morning, you want to catch up on the news, right? I have so, so many children. That favorite thing about the hotel is watching cartoons. I mean, it's such a, it's something you don't do, you know, at home. Ours are no exception. Yeah, they're the same. So and now talk about the, the, the bar, because you have a very unique bar space for your property. But again, another wonderful thing about Peninsula is uh, we're always trying to raise the bar a little bit. We had a very popular bar on the fifth floor in the main lobby area. It was very dark at a fireplace, dark wood, very cozy, very popular during the holidays in January, February. But our chairman came to Chicago and he was uh, touring the property and we were looking at some structural items in the, the building and we were on the rooftop of the ballroom and he was standing up there looking down the magnificent mile and was like, we need a bar up here. Look at this view and there's no place in Chicago, right, that has this amazing view. So. It took a little bit of convincing the city and we had to get design work done, but we built Z-Bar, which is named after our regional VP and general manager here at the Peninsula, Maria Zek. Z-Bar is named after her because she's been here for so long and has really attributed this hotel. And, uh, and, and Peninsula is known for that in some of the other hotels. They've named different outlets after significant people within the company. But so, you know, here's perfectly good bar. It was good. It was a nice bar, but we wanted to be better. What it did was it reintroduced a lot of Chicagoans and guests coming to Chicago to Peninsula because they wanted to go to the new Z bar. And it was this great, it's definitely the spot that everybody wants to be at, has great outdoor terrace overlooking Michigan Avenue, which even in some way, I know people think of Chicago in winter as not being outdoors, but we get weather in February, March that are, you can sit outside with a fire pit and look down Michigan Avenue. It's stunning. So, and then it was all year long. Obviously there's an indoor component, <laughs> blankets, hot toddies. Definitely, please. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. In the summer months, it's pretty spectacular, but winter is all right. And come back in and see it. It became a place to go in Chicago. Very, very popular now, right? It is. Shanghai Terrace, consistently been rated as one of the best Chinese restaurants in the city of Chicago, opens up onto a very large terrace. And what a great experience to be in this little oasis. You feel like you're transported to maybe kind of a resort almost feel in Asia with palms and beautiful landscaping on this terrace and the traditional Chinese cuisine, cocktails, etc. But you look up and then you have the John Hancock there. You have uh, the skyline of the city of Chicago. And it's a really great escape, a little oasis in the city. So if you could tell us just a little bit about your restaurant and the executive chef. Oh, yeah. We were able to recruit an amazing executive chef, Chef Bossom. He's had been, his resume is very robust. Lots of very famous hotels in London, here in Chicago, et cetera, that we were able to recruit. And what I love about Chef Bossom, his heritage is Indian. So he brings in a new level of spice in all of our cuisine, whether it be in banquets or the lobby restaurant, et cetera, in Z-Bar. It's not Indian foods per se, but he takes some of that characteristics of that spice that Indian food is known for and brings it into other dishes that has worked really well and has made it much more exciting cuisine. So for large groups, is he is he a creative chef where if someone comes, you know, that doesn't want this typical chafing dish meals, you know, like a fish or a chicken or a, some type of beef, 
if you go to him with a challenge, you say, you know, this is what I want and this is what I want to spend for it. And I got a hundred people. Give me something that's out of the ballpark. You know, is he one of those guys that will just take it and run with it? Yeah. I've been in hotels for 22 years and Chef Bossom is one of the most creative chefs that I've worked with. He can create any dish, individual preferences, any challenges. He actually welcomes it. Any dietary restrictions. Obviously, we're in the world of dietary restrictions with whether it be vegan or lactose or et cetera. He'll create great dishes that can cater to any dietary restriction whatsoever. That's fantastic. So when someone comes to the hotel and they um, are looking for a special experience, I know you guys really specialize in putting packages together for people to come in. Tell us a little bit some of the current packages that you have going on and some of your most favorite ones that you guys do on an ongoing basis. So some of our packages, we have packages all year round. We have sweet escape packages, focus on families and some sweet components. But right now we're doing the seven loves of Peninsula, which really been a huge successful campaign for us. But we're taking everything that Peninsula is known for, whether it be cuisine, cocktails, transportation, community, art, and culture. So with the package, you get to choose one of the seven activities that are focused around the things that Peninsula is known for that I just mentioned and very well received. And you're surprised by like what people choose, but the most popular is the dim sum class. You get to see how to create some authentic dim sum cuisine. Also the cocktail making class is very popular as well. Are these small, are these like one-on-one or just you and whoever's teaching it? Or are they small groups? How are you doing that? It depends on how many guests are in house that select the packages, but I don't think there's ever been more than six people with either the chef or the mixologist. It's uh they're very intimate classes. And if you're lucky enough and nobody else selects that package, you're the only one. Oh, nice. So Max, you've been in Chicago for a long time. You love the city. What are some things that you love to do, some bucket list items that our listeners might want to do if they travel and stay at the peninsula and then get to explore the city? Do you have any favorite things that you like to do? A lot of people don't realize that Chicago is right on Lake Michigan. And the park district is dedicated to everything on the east side of Lakeshore Drive, right? So we have 11 miles at least of beaches along the lakefront. And there's nothing better than like being at the hotel here at Peninsula Chicago or on Michigan Avenue and walking just early by this little tunnel and you're on Oak Street Beach, right? You can jump in the water, you can lay on the beach, soak up the sun. And right behind you is John Hancock and the skyline. I mean, I don't know of any other city that has that kind of accessibility. And then the lakefront pass goes all the way the length of the city. So you can rent one of the Divi bikes that we have near the hotel, either electric or the traditional pedal bikes. You can go up and down the lakefront pass and see all the different beaches and parks along the lakefront. And it really is Chicago's backyard, in my opinion. And that's where I spend a That sounds like the perfect summer day to me, for sure. Absolutely. We can pack up a picnic for you to take with you if you'd like and you know, a blanket and gourmet picnic you can imagine along the lakefront. And it's, the water is blue. It's crystal clear. If you like a golf, there's a nine hole golf course. There's tons of tennis courts. There's volleyball courts. There's you name it. We've got the activity for you. I love that idea. I love the picnic. Yeah, that is wonderful. Exactly. And it's not your normal everyday picnic either. Also, there's a lot of marinas. Actually, I think we have the second most boat slips in the U.S. behind San Diego. So boating is really popular either along the Chicago River that cuts through downtown. But wintertime, you know, we have some of the best museums in the world, whether it be Art Museum, Field Museum, the Museum of Contemporary Art is within a couple blocks from the hotel, Science and Industry Museum, Chicago Historical Museum, and the Shedd Aquarium is by far one of the largest and best aquariums in the nation. And it overlooks Lake Michigan. You sound like a general manager, but you also sound like an incredible tour guide. You sound like you could walk out of the peninsula with you and see the entire city in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Secretly, what I want to do when I retire is either a tour guide or concierge, because I, especially in Chicago, because I'm so passionate about it. The concierge at your property must be busy all the time. All right, well, we're going to start wrapping up here. First, we want to tell our listeners that the Peninsula Hotel has been gracious enough to give us a giveaway, a one-night deluxe stay with Breakfast for Two. So if you're interested in receiving that, thank you, Max, for doing that. That's very, very gracious of you. And for our listeners, if you're interested in signing up and trying to win that, go to destination-everywhere.com and sign up on our email list, and we'll pick a winner here coming up. 
All right. Thanks again for that, Max. We really appreciate it. Okay. So Max, we wrap up with each guest with our rapid fire questions. We are trying to get people like you who travel and have seen the world to give our listeners great activities and things that they have done and tips on how they travel. So are you ready for our questions? Okay. I think so. I'm a little nervous, but okay. We can do that. All right, cool. The first one is, is have you ever comp- uh, completed anything on your bucket list? And if so, what was it? After completing a couple of triathlons, I decided I was going to, my bucket list was to do a half Ironman. So I did. I completed a half Ironman. One half Ironman was my first. It will definitely be my last. <laughs> no full Ironman in my future. But <laughs> Where were you? Where'd you do it? It was Benton Harbor, Michigan. So it was a great location, but I would have to quit my job, I know, in order to ever do that again or, or complete a whole Ironman. It was a great experience. Better you than me. That's all I got to say. <laughs> You're not going to find me doing a half Ironman. All right. So if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I haven't been to everywhere that I want to go yet, but I don't know if that's south of France or Greece or maybe Turkey, rural Turkey, but I love the Mediterranean. I love the climate. I love the weather. That blue water is very intriguing to me. So, so I'm going to say somewhere in the Mediterranean, but I have to explore. I have to do a little bit of Italy. I have a few more places to explore before I commit. How's that? All right. If you could travel with someone infamous or famous, who would it be? I think, well, this isn't very cerebral, so I hope it doesn't come across that way, but I'm going to say Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) I think Matthew McConaughey would, you know, he always seems like he's up for an adventure, be open to anything, be a guy to hang and and have a good time and travel around with. That's a good one. I think he's a great choice. We haven't had that one before. So next question is, when packing for a trip, what is something you pack that may surprise our listeners? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, again, it's not going to resonate very cerebrally, but is uh, always, every, I know this is horrible, every vacation, every time I board a plane, I buy a current copy of People magazine and uh, I read it from cover to cover. It's like my little guilty pleasure. This <laughs> is my People magazine. I used to do the same thing because that's the only crossword puzzle I can finish. Yeah, exactly. crossword <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> 100%. Give me pop culture any day over current events. <laughs> Max, that is a great tip. And so, and finally, what is your most memorable experience in the great city of Chicago? Do you have one that really, really stands out? Yeah, I've had so many memorable things to do in Chicago, but I have to say last November, I've been with my partner for 22 years and we decided it was long overdue to actually get married and, you know, gay marriage became legal and we just had been kind of procrastinating and So we decided to actually go ahead and do it. We were just going to go to the courthouse and, you know, make it legal since we've been together so long. But our regional vice president and general manager here at the peninsula surprised us with a special wedding ceremony in our Packard car that drove us to a special location. And we had several of our friends there and champagne and flowers and a cake and We had no idea that was going to happen. And that was fairly recent. It was just November, but as far as the most memorable experience I've had in Chicago. Oh, what a great experience. Congratulations. That's fantastic. I've got one more question that I I always have to ask people on the hotel side. Okay. What is is the strangest request you've ever had from a guest? And I'm not even going to say it may be a peninsula, but I'm just because I've had so many strange requests. So I'm I'm racking my brain (laughs) which one's appropriate. And which one uh, divulge in? There's so many of them that I can't really say because they're inappropriate. But I got one. It was somebody quite famous. And it was several years ago. And when Kabbalah was really big, you remember Kabbalahism, right? And um, oh, yes. Red bracelet, Kabbalah water, and the whole nine yards. And this one particular guest only could have Kabbalah water in her suite. And I think, I mean, it was enough Kabbalah water. I think she bathed in it. I think she drank it. (laughs) So I get a request from from the manager saying, we're running out of Kabbalah water. We need Kabbalah water. And I'm like, where in Chicago do you find Kabbalah water? So I had to, thank God for Google, right? Try to find it. And I got connected with the Kabbalah Institute in Los Angeles. And they said, absolutely, we can airship you Kabbalah water. And they're like, which Kabbalah water do you want? And I'm like, there's different Kabbalah waters. So then I had to go back and we found out which Kabbalah water, which was blessed by whatever minister or whatever. And lots of water takes about 12 hours, but we got all the Kabbalah water the guests needed. 
Oh, that's a great one. I could throw out four names that I guarantee you it's one of them. <laughs> but I'm not going to yeah, put you on the spot yeah. there. <laughs> well, Max, thank you so much for your time. You've been an absolute great guest. Um, if our listeners want to learn more about the Peninsula, Chicago, where should they go to learn that? Yeah, if you want to look at um, all 10 properties, you can go to peninsula.com or specifically Chicago, you can go to peninsula.com slash Chicago. Also on, on social media at the Peninsula CHI, at the Peninsula Chi. Well, great. We look forward to meeting you in person in Chicago sometime, and we greatly appreciate you joining us here on Destination Everywhere. Thanks, Max. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Destination Everywhere. This episode, Chicago. Obviously, this is an amazing city with so much to do. I'd really like to thank Chef Sarah from Monteverde for joining us. Absolutely love talking to her. She seems like someone I would just kind of want to go out and have a cocktail with. And Max, Max Schroeder was absolutely amazing. You could tell like my question about the weirdest requests. <laughs> I want to know some of the inappropriate ones. <laughs> That's kind of what I want to find out. He was very reluctant to say, which is very professional of him, but no, it was great. And obviously the Peninsula Hotel is amazing. You know, just firsthand experience. Absolutely really is. It's always been one of my favorite properties, especially in Chicago, which has so many great properties. But- and Max gave us some great bucket list items too. I mean, he talked about doing a, an Ironman in Chicago and all. Or in Michigan. The half Ironman, but he did do some triathlons in Chicago. Yeah, he did. He said there's an annual triathlon in Michigan, which sounds like a great bucket list item to do. And we talked about you know, an evening stroll with your camera and making sure that you have a, a real blues experience at like the Green Mill Jazz Club or the Mob and Crime Tour is another one that came up we thought would be a great one to do if you're visiting Chicago. And then Todd, you talked about the Chicago Food Festival as well. The Chicago Food Festival, I've actually been to that one. You know, I've been to the Chicago Food Festival and I'll definitely go back. It's so great. Just go hungry because you'll want to try everything. The Obama Kissing Rock, which is something. If you're someone that's a risk taker, the drag racing on Lower Wacker Drive is something that is kind of a little subversive and a little different um, and something that you do on Friday nights. So you might want to check that out. And if you got big wallets, you know, you've got the helicopter tours, you know, to John Hancock, you got Wrigley Field. I mean, it could be all yours for the right price. So that's an amazing experience. And remember, Wednesdays is free at the Garfield Park Conservatory, which is supposed to be one of the most beautiful green spaces in all of Chicago. So definitely uh, check that out if you get there. And then uh, finally, one thing I definitely want to do is taking a comedy class at Second City, where Stephen Colbert and some of the great comedic greats have come from. Well, and, and one that Max mentioned and like, you know, on a day like a gorgeous day is that custom picnic and then just get on one of those electric bikes, have uh, the peninsula pack me a picnic basket with everything I want, and then just go down Lakeshore and find a spot and just hang out. To me, that just sounds like a great day. So thank you again for joining us on this edition of Destination Everywhere, Chicago, absolutely amazing city. We'd like to thank our very special team who helps us put this together. We've got Chris Jordan, a copywriter. Guy Quattlebaum, who is a content developer, Annie Fernandez, a creative director, and of course, the amazing Lauren Campbell, who is our podcast producer. So please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you need any feedback or questions from us, please be sure to visit us at www.destinations-everywhere.com. So thank you for joining us and be safe. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.